Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Where we found opportunity to deploy more technology was when it came to their claims handling experience because we found that customers had an unmet need on responsiveness. It was a manual process versus this is where clearly a technology could drive value. Marketing, and I'm defining marketing very broadly here, People kind of treat it as if they're checking a box. So, oh, let's let's run an ad campaign, as if all ad campaigns are the same. Customers are not logical. They don't do logical things. They don't like sticking credit cards on their foreheads when they're having pictures taken. You have to take those things into account and design an experience, understanding what customers have been doing. So I think we all know that digital experiences are now becoming absolutely vital. And over the last few months, we've been getting lots of our clients coming to us, asking us to review their digital experience and seeing how they can improve that experience because they recognize that their experience is not what they hoped it would be. So we're going to be talking a bit about that today, Ryan. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, digital experience is becoming the standard experience for a lot of firms. So you need to think about it. Absolutely. So we have with us one of our principals at Beyond Philosophy, uh, Zecho Dobrev. Hi, Zecho. Hi, Colin and Ryan. Thanks for having me. Not at all. So Zecho is our lead on digital transformation. And what I thought would be useful today would be if Zecho was going to sort of give us a view as to where we've got to with digital transformation, what's working well, what's not working well, and what organizations should do to try to improve their experience. Zecho, maybe just give us a bit of background as to, I know you've been doing a lot of reading on this and everything else. Where have we got to with digital transformation in organizations? What are the stats telling us? Yeah, well, the stats are telling us that this year, probably more than two trillion would be spent on digital transformation. Two trillion? More than two trillion. You know, that's more than my pocket money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> two trillion was spent in 2019, which was an increase from 1.3 trillion in 2018. Okay, and we know this year everyone accelerated because uh, you know who was driving that, not the CEO, not the CIO (laughs) or the CTO. It was the the COVID-19, right? Yeah. And so the interesting stat, though, is that for 2018, 2019, different companies, McKinsey's, Accenture, and so on, estimated that some people said 50 McKinsey and so said, uh, if, if my memory is correct, seven, well, I know someone said 70, I think it was McKinsey, and some people even put it that 80% of all these projects have failed. Right. For 2018, that's an estimated $900 billion was wasted. $900 billion. <laughs> Yes. There you go. I wouldn't mind having 10% of that. 
Another interesting thing. So if we just, everyone can do this. If you Google, if you go to Google Trends and check digital transformation and then overlay that data with customer experience, you are going to see that for the last five years, both are up trends. So both have been growing in terms of searches. And they're pretty much on the same path, digital transformation, customer experience, which is which is good. But interestingly, you can see two trillion spent on digital transformation. And then we know that there's so many companies that are tracking customer experience metrics like Forrester, the Customer Service Institute in UK, the Nunwood, KPMG, again, index in, in UK, yeah. and so many others. And we know for the last few years that they've been stagnating. And only this year, they've measured mostly because of the COVID. It just actually improved, but ever so slightly. Some indexes improve. I think Forrester improved 0.3% or something like that. One of the indexes actually dropped a little bit. So basically, you can call it a stagnation. So you can see that for five years, people have been investing trillions of dollars into digital transformation. But A, many of these projects fail to deliver the results that they were expecting. And this is, we're talking about 70%. And B, that investment has not equaled into improvement of customer experience. So I found this uh, staggering, but not necessarily surprising, I have to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we know that we've been getting lots more clients coming into us asking us to, to help. Let me take a step back and let me tell a little bit of a story because I think this sort of sums it up for me. And I went to get some new glasses a little while ago, some sight glasses, not beer glasses, but sight glasses. And I bought them from a company in the UK called Glasses Direct. They basically, you go online, you choose the frames, they send you the frames, you choose which one you want, you submit your prescription and then they send you the glasses. I'm not going to bore you with all the details of it, but this for me sort of sums up part of the experience or part of the issue that we face. Two things that then really happened that made me realize that it wasn't a good experience was one was the glasses hadn't turned up for a long time, and I started to go, I wonder where they are. So I went online to my account, and there was hardly any form of tracking of where the glasses were. It was nothing like Amazon. It basically just said words to the effect of, we're working on it, basically. Having said that, I'd received a number of emails from them um, promoting different things. And it turns out that amongst all those emails that they sent, that they had asked me for some further information, which I then provided them with. And the further information they asked me about was, and I hadn't really thought about this before because it's the first time I bought glasses online because I didn't want to go to the store with COVID and everything else. They were asking me the distance between my eyes, okay, which makes sense. You Obviously, to center the glasses, you have to know how far apart your eyes are. But the interesting thing that they did was uh, they asked me to put a credit card to my head <laughs> and take a picture of it, my forehead, take a picture of it, and then send it off to them. And then they were going to make my glasses dependent upon the measures that they took from the credit card, which I have to say just didn't feel right. It felt, you know, this is wrong. And I guess the issue is, and the instructions on how to do it was all fine and everything else, but A, I felt a bloody idiot with a credit card stuck to my head, taking a picture of it. 
the most sort of fundamental thing I was feeling was, I don't know if I'd trust the results of this. I mean, they would normally be fairly precise. And now they're going to take measurements off a credit card stuck to my head. And I guess that sort of sums this whole digital transformation thing up there. Glasses Direct actually were one of the first people in the marketplace with this offering. So they've been around for a while. But I guess the issue for me is it felt like they'd been around for a while, but they hadn't really updated their experience. Now, this is solely from a customer's perspective. So I don't know whether they have or they haven't. But when I reflect back on that experience, I thought I now sit here and go, would I use them again? And I go, "Mm, not really sure. What's the main issue then, Zecho? If all of these trillions are being spent on this stuff, what's the main problem that organizations are facing? Well, um, then let me share a story too then that I think in my mind also sums it up well. This is probably what, four or five years ago now, (laughs) we were working with a water utility company they were going to go on a digital transformation project and they started with us and looking at the customer experience uh, to begin Were they going to start delivering digital water? Because I hear that that, (laughs) that's the future. (laughs) Yeah, virtual water. You die of thirst after four days. But But it's great while you're in it. Yes, absolutely. Just to add to that, you know what? I had a digital swimming pool and I went for a swim the other day and I nearly broke my neck. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't get electrocuted. <laughs> Sorry, Zetcha. No, but uh, yeah, listen to the story. It's similar to, to what you're saying. Um, so um, so they were, they were going to do that and they were particularly interested in the, the sort of the different contact channels. So, you know, Colin, when we do our um, customer research surveys, we typically ask one question typically about ease of contact in the organization. They were particularly focused, let's ask three questions, ease of contacting via phone, via uh, web chat, and via social media, right? So they particularly wanted to break these, these uh, because they were thinking to invest heavily into those digital channels. Yeah. And the results came in, and only one of these channels was driving value, all right? We digged further into it and we found that 94% of their contacts were coming for, from phone, all right? So <laughs> the other two channels were virtually non-existent. But then we further went on the field and see, well, what are these contacts about? And many of these contacts were things like, my sewer is blocked, right? <laughs> and people are phoning them and saying, hey, guys, can you come and unblock it before I get I have my guests here for the barbecue or the Christmas and, and things like that. Yeah. So you can imagine if your sewer is, and essentially your toilet is blocked, you know, this is not something you're going to put in social media and say, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine doing that with a picture, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this story is many organizations approach digital transformation with some preconceived ideas and sort of like, because other organizations are doing this thing, we should do that. And because essentially we had this process before, now let's just make this digital process and, and it's going to be fine. And this for me is part of the problem. So these preconceived ideas. And then the second part is not really knowing what drives value, what provides value for customers. And there's different kinds of, of value. And so... We'll talk about that. So this this is, for me, the, the challenges that, that organizations are facing and why 
why investment in digital transformation doesn't equate in improvement in customer experience. And basically, you need to, to put the equation mark over there between these two things. Yeah, I think the other thing for me is that what lots of organizations seem to have done is just taken their existing process, which they probably developed 20, 30 years ago, maybe longer, and just digitized it and haven't looked outside the square as to how they could deliver it differently. And to your point, think they understand what customers want without actually looking at, well, what drives value and what type of customer are going to be using this and how could we then use it? Because one of the one of the advantages of the digital channel is you could obviously you can obviously provide different experiences for different segments of the of the market fairly easily by looking at their behavior and all those other wonderful things. Exactly. And that, and you mentioned things there that bring several several aspects. One is value and the second one is like different types of customers would actually have different value drivers. And also you mentioned something that it's about using now this data because the, the good thing about digital experience is that they leave you lots of data and every action you take leaves some sort of crumb marks <laughs> that they can track your traces back to... I remember I read something like at the beginning of Amazon, they will take a particular customer and they'll say, well, where did he go? How did he end up at this page? <laughs> Why did he end up there? And they'll look at what the customer was searching and what they, they did now. Imagine this is, is now you're talking about hundreds of thousands of, of customers for, for more organization. But the point is that now there's a lot of data that you can use to, to sort of personalize the experience and find different value-driving aspects for, for different types of customers. So you and I, mate, know what value drivers are. Explain value drivers to the audience. Yes. Well, let me then use some of the latest insights from Forrester, which I thought was were really good report. It came in um, late September, so just uh, a month or so ago. And so they were talking. So we've been talking about value and researching value, but essentially for us, value is like, what are the aspects of the experience? that would make a customer behave in a way that is valuable to an organization. So clearly it means purchasing again, renewing their contracts or if it's insurance, um, their policies and so on, recommending that organization to other people. So actually recently we've been talking to doing some qualitative research for different, different organizations. And with some energy companies, we found that of the 20 people we, we spoke to, about 35% came from referrals or recommendations. So this is still an important channel for organizations. So basically, this is, this is what we mean by value. It's effectively what the organization get. So increase in spend, increase in market share, increase in net promoter score, it's whatever the organization gets as a payback, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. But <laughs> to make it a little bit more complicated, this is the end result. So the organization would only get that if they provide value to the customer. So if they provide value to the customer, the customer would then behave in a valuable way for them, right? So then Forrester is talking about four types of value to, to customers, Okay. One is clearly the economic value. So lower or competitive prices, 
promotions, these loyalty offers. So essentially, and you and Ryan talk a lot about this, it's about also the perception of value. So you know that there's ways that you can do to, to make to make an offer look like a better value than, than just the, the economic side of that. So there's the economic type of value. And we know that most organizations are trying to get on level terms on, on this part. Otherwise, it will be just a race to the bottom. Then there's the functional value. So the functional is kind of like the perceived efforts to get the job done, the, the speed of service. These sort of, maybe we can call it also some like transactional aspects. So you're getting like the functional value, okay? But then here are some two more interesting parts. And according to Forrester, and to be honest, from our own research, that we found that these are, that these are actually bigger driver of value, the more important driver of values. So the next category in Forrester, they call it experiential value. So this is about the experience, how the customer feels, feel the important part, the emotional part of the experience. So the quality of that experience of the experience the organization provides, the emotional part of that experience, okay? And then the fourth category is an even more interesting one. It's the symbolic value, okay? So this is, for example, the self-image that you get when you deal with certain organizations. So why you buy a Jaguar, sometimes the, the iPhones and the, the Apple products that, that you use, okay? So you have the self I'm glad we've mentioned them. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Then there's the sense of belonging. So if you like, you belong like a part of the of the club and we know Maslow and, and all those things. But then there's also, I think it's a, there's an interesting category within this one, which are like the, the social causes. So a couple of companies spring to my mind. So companies like Patagonia, which have they have quadrupled their revenues in, in recent years. And they're this activist company that they're all about pro-environment, protecting the environment, and so on. And similarly with uh, Lush, we've been giving them as an example for many years and they've been topping the customer satisfaction index uh, for or been in the top uh, 5, 10 for many years. And we know that they're very much uh, against animal testing and not taking advantage of, of people and, and the planet. So, and recent reports have shown that, and, and this has accelerated during the pandemic, that people are becoming more aware of, of these sort of like social issues and things like that. And so they want to buy from companies that feel like have shared values. Do you remember having read some stories about now people during the pandemic, they started to buy more local. Also, they found that this cafe, oh, uh, there was... Some interesting examples, so like one cafe in Belarus helped uh, some protesters and then next day there were like three kilometers of a line there for people waiting to buy coffee from that coffee just to show support. I think there have been similar stories in, in the States and, and different places. So these things are starting to become even more important. And we have one of these examples, actually, Forrester. The Forrester report is also quoting one of our examples when we worked with, um, with a credit card company. And we found that what people say they want most was the acceptance of the card, so being accepted in more stores. But we found that actually the reason why people were sticking with them for many years was because of the feeling of prestige that was coming with, with the offering. So this is what we mean by symbolic values. And just to finish this part, so what Forrester say is that actually many organizations don't know 
which of these four types of value drivers is most important for them. And again, these could be different for different types of, of customers. And they don't have data for these four types of value. So the web people might have some data on, on the customer digital journey, etc. Product people have some data. Marketing people have some data, but they don't have a holistic data on here's these four types of drivers, which of these are, are more important. This is some of the part of that challenge when it comes to digital transformation. What is your digital or physical experience like from a customer perspective? What should you change? How do you compare against your competition? Whether you're a small, medium or large size organization, why not let me or one of the team review your digital or physical experience by undertaking what we call an experience health check. In this short and affordable engagement, we will act as a customer. And if that's not practical, we will talk to your customers and we will assess your experience against best practice. We will then provide you with a series of actionable recommendations for change. If you're interested in finding out more, just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash health check. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash health check. So Ryan, I guess that more symbolic type of value is the whole area that we talk about here about the behavioral science stuff. I mean, arguably, several of those different types of value can be influenced by behavioral science. It struck me as Zecho was reading off the list, your problem with your glasses experience online, some of it had to do with with the more functional value that you were receiving. It, It was slow. You weren't getting the information. When you talk about holding a credit card up to your face, Digital transformation is going to allow, you know, we've talked about the the different opportunities. You get more data, you can target more easily. There are lots of advantages. It also, though, raises new problems. Now now you're no longer in a glasses office where somebody can just hold up the instrument to your face. So how are you going to solve that new problem that comes from going digital? From a technical standpoint, credit cards are of a uniform size. So having somebody hold a credit card up to the face allows a computer to very clearly measure the distance between somebody's eyes in a very precise way. It's an elegant solution to a, a complicated problem. But symbolically, that symbolic value, that that experience value, the fact that you felt like an idiot holding a credit card up to your face and taking a picture of that, that drives real value for you as a customer. So if they had explained it better, if they had taken a different approach where they said, print out this page and hold that up to your face, there may have been other ways of solving this problem that captured more of this symbolic value or experience value that could drive the overall value. Like I said, I I think it's an elegant solution that they came up with. Hold a credit card up, right? From an engineering perspective, that makes perfect sense. From a customer experience perspective, looking at this kind of more behaviorally, we start to figure out why Colin was was less satisfied with this experience overall. Well, Ryan, to your point, I think, so now part of the trick is like if people think about these types of value and you have this digital journey, I think most, most organizations just design like the steps of the experience. So Colin, click here, then click here, then take a picture of your credit card, send it to us, right? So they think about these rational steps. But sort of if they were to think, okay, well, how can we inject emotions and specific emotions in this journey, then they could have thought, oh, well, we could 
probably now this is a pain point or, or, or a silly thing where maybe you can show a silly picture so you can turn this sort of silly experience into, you know, when you make fun of silly experience, it starts to, it, it becomes more fun or, or things like that. Uh, they could also think of how they could, now that they have Collins data and everything else, they could think how they could use that in the future. But the point is about how do you, you inject some emotions, some positive emotions in, in this experience rather than just, the, you know, it just makes the step of the experience. I think what they didn't do in the credit card example, the overriding feeling wasn't one of stupidity, although that did have some effect. The overriding thought that was in my mind was lack of confidence that this was an accurate way of measuring something for something that I thought I was investing, I don't know, $300, $400 or something like that, and then going to get the wrong glasses because I've got a credit card stuck to my head. So I hasten to add that when I got the glasses, they're fine. <laughs> so maybe all pharmacists should be using credit cards. It's, <laughs> to your point, it's it's a weird experience and it does seem very cobbled together. And so whether or not it is actually an accurate way of measuring is kind of beside the point to a certain extent, right? Because from an experience standpoint, it does erode some of that confidence that you would want to have in making a major purchase. Now, maybe if they had explained it better, maybe if they'd used something that involved actually some extra steps, but that provided more confidence to the user, then all of that might've gone better. Maybe the next time you buy glasses, now you're more used to the process. And so it's not as jarring an experience and something that causes you to to question it because you've actually seen the outcome. None of that's going to show up if you're just focused on solving technical problems and focused on this direct value of providing high quality glasses or whatever it is. The overall thing for me is two things, okay? One is what you said, Ryan, which is that digital experiences are absolutely great and they give you lots of data, as Zecho was saying, but they also throw up some problems. There are definitely issues around doing that. Second thing that I would have as a takeaway would be that you need to define these moments. Now, I don't know if, in this case, Glasses Direct know that that's a real issue for them in their experience. And I guess the reality is, is how would they know? Because they weren't watching me do it. Oh, they were. They passed that video around corporate. Uh, <laughs> this guy with his credit card in his face, yeah. you believe? But I think that ties back into the overall part here, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, Zetcho, but you've got to define what parts of the experience drive and destroy value. And if you know what drives and destroys value for different groups of markets, then you can start to design an experience that is appropriate to that. Correct, Zetcho? Yes, absolutely. But here's also a couple of things. This experience that we gave it as an example. So you, Colin, mentioned and Ryan mentioned one of the emotions that you both mentioned was confidence. And then you also mentioned like stupidity or feeling silly or something like that. So like you have two emotions, but we could be theorizing to what extent you felt one and the other, but you can actually measure these two things with facial emotion recognition as well as many other emotions, right? So you can actually get a reading of what, say, 15, 20, 30, or however many people you want to, to test, 
get 30 people to order glasses from this and you can measure their emotional experience in this digital experience. And then you can measure with certainty that at this point, so many people, this emotion spiked at this other moment, this other emotion spiked, whether it was positive or negative. And so you can measure people's emotional reaction to these digital experiences. And this is one of the things that customers can, uh, that organizations can do. And this brings me to the moment about, and you guys have been talking about this for so many times, about the peak experience and the end experience. So you can measure, you can measure which part of this experience was the peak and what was it, and also how people felt at, at the end of the experience. So these are all things that you can measure with this digital experience. And what Zetcho is referring to there is the peak end rule, which says that how do people remember something? They remember the peak emotion that they felt and they remember the end emotion they felt. Just go back and listen to uh, one of the previous podcasts. So the other important thing, this is now for large organizations as well, is now what experience they should digitize, okay? And what experience should remain more like actual human element. So let me give you an example. We were working with this insurance company uh, about a year and a half ago. And then they too came to us saying, we're, we're going to embark on a digital transformation journey, but we want to start with the customer experience first and think, literally they had this question, which experiences should be digital and where we should redeploy the, the human element? And we did research with them. We found some of the key drivers of, of value for them, what people were wanting. We, we found some unmet needs. And the biggest drivers of value were things where they had to, to remain human-focused because it was about the, the relationship with the company, things that account managers can do, being more flexible on some other aspects and, and so on. And where we found opportunity to redeploy and deploy more technology was when it came to their claims handling experience because we found that people were not customers had an unmet need on responsiveness it was largely an email manual process versus this is where clearly a, a technology could drive value and streamline and actually improve the experience so this is one example of where if more companies were doing this sort of approach there would be less failed projects Good. Okay. So usual question at this point, what's the sort of key recommendation? So the sort of so what test, what is it that people should go away and do? Okay. Well, two things really simple. So kind of like this last story. So find what experiences should be digitized and where you should, for example, redeploy the human element or emphasize more of the human element. Because if you check with customers, they wouldn't say, oh, there's places where you need to keep the, the human element or you need to reach a human element fairly quickly. And, and that will provide value to, to customers. So find the four types of value drivers that we spoke to. Find which experiences should, should be digitized and which experience should, should remain human or where you should redeploy the human element. And two, once you have these digital experiences, you can test these experiences, you can see how people, the emotions that customers have during this experience and, and what these emotions are at the end. 
And then you, sh- you could decide, well, is this good enough for us or do we need to do something to tweak the experience, to inject some positive emotions in certain places and so on. So I guess if people were to do these two things, I'm quite sure there'll be a lot less failed projects. Good. Ryan, any thoughts from you from um, the outside of looking at this? The numbers that, that Zesho shared at the beginning were eye-opening. I, I think that there's a lot of marketing, and I'm defining marketing very broadly here, where people kind of treat it as if they're checking a box. So, oh, let's let's run an ad campaign as if all ad campaigns are the same. Let's improve our customer experience as if that's something you just drop a pot of money on and it's solved. Yeah. And in this case, digital transformation. Oh, well, let's let's do that. Check that box. And I think the points that Zecho raised and the, the data that was shared emphasizes the fact that it's it's not simply a, a push the button type of change. You need to do it strategically. You need to do it with empathy. You need to understand what is driving value for your firm from your customer experience side. And if you don't understand that, then you're throwing darts in the dark and hoping that, that things turn out well. And, and it can be dangerous. There's tremendous opportunity in digital transformation, but there's real danger too if we're not careful in how we do it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Two final things I, I would add. One is that you need to look at this from a behavioral science perspective. Yeah, I know I'm biased, but customers are not logical. They don't do logical things. They don't like sticking credit cards on their foreheads when they're having pictures taken. You have to take those things into account and design an experience, understanding what customers have been doing, which leads me on to the second thing, which is the thing I love about dealing digitally is you can measure everything. You can see where people have gone, where they've come through. You can see through the facial expression. You can actually see the emotion that they are feeling you can measure how long they've stayed on a site. You can look at which part of the screen they're looking at, blah, 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 blah. It all can be measured, okay? The great thing then is, and, and Zecho said it, but I just want to reiterate it, test it. Test, test, and test. Because, again, the digital environment gives you the ability to do A-B testing to see which things work. And we even use that in in our email campaigns, you know, A-B testing titles and stuff like that. So the great thing you can do is test it. So, good. Well, we hope that's been of uh, use to you today. If anybody wants to talk to us about digital transformation and how we can help you improve your digital experience, then please just reach out to us by going to contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Thanks very much, everybody. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.